0: Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. If you missed out on last Sunday's service here in Malaga, uh, you're always welcome to stream it on YouTube or our website or on our app. In summary, it was really um, about choosing carefully faith over fear and the narratives that we listen to the narratives that we allow into our into our hearts and choosing carefully whom we're going to serve it's very important for us as god's children to not get lost or distracted to not let discouragement or depression sway us from seeing jesus and serving jesus i want to read from uh uh, first kings chapter 18 and here we're going to see, for many of us, uh, a passage that we're familiar with. For some of us, perhaps, we're not. And you're going to see um, a standoff take place here. A standoff. To set some context, Israel is under the rule of an evil king named Ahab and his wife Jezebel. They were evil kings. They were, they were evil leaders of the nation. And Israel is suffering for it. They have, um, as the king and the queen, they have led Israel and convinced them to give into Baal worship. And because we've got children in the service, I won't go into that, but I encourage you, have a look at some of the practices of Baal worship. It is hideous. It is a very dark time in the nation of Israel. And up comes a prophet named Elijah. And Elijah is a prophet of God who says in chapter 17 and verse 1, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. So Elijah gives a word from God that there will not be any rain. And for a few years, there's no rain. There's drought in the land and Israel are suffering. The God of uh, Baal, all the false gods that are involved there, were believed to take care of the weather. And so there's no rain and And Baal is being shown up in a sense here. But Elijah is on the run and he's in hiding. But God is still with him because Elijah gave this prophetic word and he is hated for speaking the truth of God. And God is actually allowing this to happen to the nation of Israel to bring them to repentance. God will often allow us to go through difficulties. Why? To bring us to repentance. He very much values restoration. He very much values reconciliation. He very much values you. And he will at times allow us to go through difficult moments. Because he wants us. And he loves his people. He loves the nation of Israel. Nonetheless, we have King Ahab, who is on the hunt for Elijah. Elijah appears to the leader of the palace named Obadiah. And Obadiah is a man of God. He loves the true and serves the true and living God. And he tells Obadiah to go to Ahab. Tell him that I want to speak to him. Tell King Ahab I want to see him. And Obadiah is freaking out. He goes, "No, no, 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 no!" Because I, 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 it's, it's, it's finished for me. If I tell Ahab that you want to see him, and then you run off, it's kaput. I'm gone because uh, th- th- there's word out for your head. King Ahab wants you dead. Well, Elijah says, "No, I give you my word. I want to speak to him." So we then set the scene. It says in verse 17, that Elijah comes to Elijah. Are we ready to go there together? And I love the Bible. (laughs) I love the word of God. It is so rich. It is so inviting. And you know what? We must always remember here. This certainly tells us a story about humanity. It tells us a story about virtues. It tells us a story about things like faith and fear and standing up and boldness. We'll go into that, but it, it really tells us the most beautiful picture about God. Because God is the hero of the Bible. He is always the hero of the Bible. And so let's read from verse 17. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to Elijah, Is it you? You troubler of Israel. And Elijah answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you have. And your father's house. Because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord, and you have followed the Baals. Now, therefore, send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel and the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Right here is a picture of a man who knows his God and he will not kowtow. He will not give in to fear. Keep in mind, remember, he's on the run. And Ahab is the all-powerful king, and he wants Elijah dead. So Ahab says to him, is it really you, you troubler of Israel? Have you ever been confronted by someone or something, perhaps a circumstance that seems so overwhelming, and in that moment, you're not sure how to respond? You're faced with that level of opposition. Perhaps it's persecution, discrimination, some form of tribulation. What will you do? If you're taking notes, write this down. Opposition is an invitation for the proving of conviction. Opposition is an invitation for the proving of conviction. Here we see Elijah, a man of conviction who who had this conviction because it stemmed from revelation of who God was and who God is, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He knew that he knew that he knew. He had a conviction, and he stood up to this opposition. And what did he say? Oh, I, I, I'm so sorry, King Ahab. I didn't mean to upset you. I, I really got it wrong. What I said a little while ago, um, about the rain not coming, out, that, uh, yeah, I, I should have said it more gently. I should have been more, I should have been more courteous and respectful. He didn't do that. What did he say? I haven't troubled Israel, but you have, and your father's house, because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. When it comes to allegiance to God, never back down never bow down to fear. Never bow down to the little G gods of this world. Because my God is bigger, my God is stronger, my God is truer, and my God is able. Elijah was a man who knew God. He was strong and he did mighty exploits. This was who he was. In fact, it was proven to him over the previous months. Check out chapter 17. He got fed by ravens. We know the story about the widow and her son. He saw, he was there to see God raise a young son from the dead. He saw God, he knew God, and he was ready to rock and roll. This is why it's so important for us to feast off the testimonies of faith. What has God done for you? What has he done in you? What have you seen? Feast off it and let that feed your faith. If it doesn't feed your faith you'll find that your fear is fed through other sources. One great reason why I love to chew this thing up, it has such incredible stories and challenges and inspirations of faith. When I was at university a number of years ago, which now feels like uh, it was It was in a galaxy far, far away, a long time ago. (laughs) I remember when I came to faith in Jesus, I was raised in a church community. I went to church. My parents lovingly said, you've got to go to one service every Sunday. And, and, And there were some Sundays I had a bit of a whinge about it, but I'm so grateful that they led by example and they were firm on that. But I wondered for a while, and when I was 18, the Lord God got a hold of me. I had a true adult revelation and encounter with Jesus, and I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that he was real. Not just in a book, not just through a person. I just knew that he was real. And man, you couldn't shut me up. I remember going to Uni and I said I made some big mistakes when I was telling people about Jesus. I mean, I I was witnessing, I was witnessing to everybody. I was talking to lecturers, I was talking to fellow colleagues, I, Now, I made some mistakes. My theology wasn't perfect, but I tell you, there was something in me that was just on fire. And one thing that I know was in my life back then was that the the more of a bold stand I took, the more opposition came my way. But then the more opposition came my way, I noticed that was an invitation to either stand or fall. When I When we are faced with hostile opposition, this is an amazing opportunity for the proving of godly conviction. What opposition are you faced with at the moment in your life? Is it at work? Is it at school? Is it at college? Is it at TAFE? Is it in your family? What level of opposition are you faced particularly are you facing as you stand for him? Is it in your social circles? Is it down at the soccer club or the footy club? Is it down at the lawn bowls club? Gary Baker, happy birthday for last Sunday. Whatever opposition that we are faced with, see it as an invitation for the proving of our conviction. It's an opportunity to grow. It's an opportunity to stand. And as we stand, it can then inspire and encourage other people. Important for us to know, though, and we'll see in this passage, that God does not like to play second fiddle. God doesn't like it when we have these other gods with a little g in our heart. Remember Israel? had there was a mixture there was a mixture of god and Baal, and there we enter this standoff the world that we live in at the moment is going to hell in a handbasket and again this gospel of tolerance is really quite an intolerant thing the the, the gospel by its nature is both inclusive but exclusive Inclusive in that everybody's invited, but exclusive in that the only way in is by Jesus. There is no other way to know God except by Jesus. There is no other way. Jesus says himself, I am the way, the truth and the light. There is no way to the father except through me. But the world that we live in at the moment is trying to pervert the message. In Abu Dhabi, in march of this year they opened up a center the abrahamic house have you heard about this where we have three world religions we say let's call it a mosque let's call it a synagogue and let's call it a church church signed off by the pope actually catholic church can we show the picture of it this is abu dhabi Opened in March of this year. Took a few years to build. Next picture, thank you. I understand the thinking behind this. To try and bring about peace and oneness. I understand. I understand. But I wonder how God feels about being mixed up with other gods. What do you think God thinks about this in Abu Dhabi? If Jesus was in his grave, which he's not, if he was, he'd be turning over right about now. It's a good thing he's he's risen and he's at the right hand of the Father. He rules and he reigns from on high. This is a load of codswallop. And Christians, we have got to stand. There is only one true God. As the world progresses, there'll be greater pressure for us to just sign up to a one world religion. It's going to happen more and more and more. But well, we've got to make a stand. Whatever your conviction on Halloween, as for me and my house, we do not entertain it. We don't entertain it in our house. We don't do it. And I understand the thinking. I understand the thinking of some Christians who say, "Oh well, let's look. It's just some harmless fun, and 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 no. Well, it was actually set up as 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 um, celebrating the dead saints' day. I don't care what." The initiative was now when I go on a Kmart and big W there are skeletons and there are ghouls and I know what the world is using to celebrate now. Why would I entertain that nonsense? I, I don't care about your eggs on my window. I've got security cameras anyway. I'll be coming for you. You're not getting my chockeys. My kids have eaten them all. My God is to be celebrated. And he stands far above. So I am not going to muck around with celebrating anything else that might even come close to mixture. This is not a condemnation. This is just where I'm at. In my estimation and my belief, according to what I understand of the Bible, God's pretty clear when it comes to serving him. You can't serve two masters, Jesus says. You can't serve one. Are we still friends? I I gave me start on tarot cards and fortune telling and soothsaying. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's not just a bit of harmless fun. I've seen people's lives go right off the rails straight after they get involved with that occultish nonsense. The Bible is very clear on that. The Bible speaks openly. Check out Deuteronomy chapter 18. Don't get involved with reading the star signs. Don't muck around with it. If you do, take it to God and ask him to lead you to come just to him. All right, I'll move on. The reason why we take a stand like this is because we fear God in a healthy way. It's very important. And the world will look to put pressure on us um, to win approval from them, to be accepted by them, to, but we heard Jesus went through a lot of suffering and, but Jesus also said, it's going to happen to you. And as creatures of comfort, I I don't want suffering, but I tell you what, I have a pretty healthy fear of God. And I care more about what God thinks than what my next door neighbor thinks. In Matthew chapter 10, uh, I don't know if I've given you this reference, but I'll just go there anyway. Matthew chapter 10, verse 26, Jesus says, so have no fear of them for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. Verse 28, catch this. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Important. Next two verses. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my father who is in heaven. Amen or ouch? What's he saying? He's saying, pick a side. Get off the fence and pick a side. Have you ever tried to straddle a fence before? It's pretty uncomfortable. Anyone, anyone, parents, you've got kids and they've tried to stand on fences and walk along fences? As a parent, what do you do? Get out from there. If you get down there, you're going to break your neck and if you do, I'm going to give it to you. It's not me. That's just other parents in the church community. Check out what happens in verse 20 of 1 Kings 18 so ahab sent all the people of israel and gathered the prophets together at mount carmel and elijah came near to all the people and and said this watch what he says watch his little sermon watch his little sermon Uh, so remember he's on the run he gets the nation of israel he gets the the false prophets they're all there i mean this is a big deal this is a big crowd and he goes how long will you go limping between two different opinions if the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people didn't answer him a word. How long will you go limping between two different opinions? Is that a word for someone this morning? How long will you go limping between two different opinions? God is good. No, nah, he's not good. God is real. Oh, no, nah, he's not real. Oh, the Big Bang exists. I don't know God I think God made the world how long will we limp around sitting on the fence straddling that sucker realizing God doesn't want you to be on the fence he's saying choose a side pick a side choose life not death choose life today let it be done so may we not sit on that fence of mediocrity, on that fence of compromise, perhaps your heart is compromised this morning. Maybe you're conflicted in your heart about who God is, about what the Word of God says. I'm here to tell you, friends, a compromised heart will render your voice ineffective. A compromised heart will render your voice ineffective. Watch this. How long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. Watch the next verse. I've got it highlighted. And the people did not answer him a word. The silence was both telling but deafening. See, when we are conflicted and compromised in our heart, often what comes from our mouth is very informative. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth. So the, the mouth, therefore, is a demonstration of what's going in here. Now, if Israel, God's own people, were compromised and they had conflict in their heart because they were mixing the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob with these other little gods, if that was going on, no wonder they didn't say anything. They didn't fight back. They didn't argue because they probably sensed there was some truth there. But they had no voice. There was an impairment of their speech. Because oh, uh, Yes, we need to repent in this moment. We Guys, there was no call this way or the other. I wonder if this is why sometimes we are silent. Because we're compromised. We're conflicted. We have both faith and fear coexisting at the same time in our hearts. God says, no, trust me and only me. Don't put your faith in your boss at work. Don't put your faith in your teacher. Don't put your faith in your spouse. Don't put your faith in your kids or your parents. Don't put your faith in your leaders or your pastors. Put your faith in me. I won't let you down. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. But we can't be compromised. Because if we're compromised in our heart, we'll end up in a bit of trouble. Did you hear about the soldier in the US Civil War who couldn't pick a side between the North and the South? Well, what he decided to do was he decided to wear a split uniform with the shirt From the north and the pants of the south. Do you know what happened to him? He got shot by both. He didn't pick a side. He didn't pick a side. May we pick a side. Let's not hedge our bets. In the throne of our hearts. There's room for one king. There's not. Space for two. There's only one throne not two and so here is a call to rid our hearts of compromise as I was preparing this message it, it always hits me first a- and at times hits me hard I say Holy Spirit show me where there is compromise in my heart Lord is there comprom- have I compromised in any way are there practices in my life? Are there beliefs in my heart? Are the decisions and choices that I'm making where I'm compromising? So we can't compromise on sin. We can't compromise when it comes to Satan. And we can't compromise when it comes to scripture. Don't compromise with sin. Sin is sin. It is destructive. It's like a It's like a disease with it, with Satan, don't dance with him, kick him in the head, and pursue God, with scripture, this thing is true, it's amazingly beautiful and true, what it says, tells us about who God is, and what he has for humanity, it tells us about the past, present, and the future, but as we we may compromise with sin or Satan or scripture. We see patterns, behaviors of the world creep into the family of God. Oh, it's okay if I if I marry an unbeliever, though Corinthians tells me, don't do that. Oh, it's okay if if, if uh, oh, you know, we get really friendly. We're gonna get married one day anyway, and it's okay if we push the envelope there physically. Oh, that's compromised. That's com- oh it's okay if I if as a Christian though I pledge my allegiance to Jesus I'm still you know abusing drugs and alcohol I, I, I'm still doing it that's okay that's compromised. God says, hey listen, take those little gods off the throne of your heart there's only space for me because I'm a jealous God I love you I want all of you and I want all of you to want all of me it's a song in that Psalm 119. New Living Translation, the psalmist says, joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him with all their hearts. They do not compromise with evil and they walk only in his paths. I love the way that the psalmist put it there. Josie shared a great, Josie Wiegand, staff meeting a few weeks back, shared a great devotion from Revelation 3.16. Many of us will know it. Verse 15 says, I know your works. Jesus is speaking to whom? Speaking to the church. He's speaking to people like you and me. I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. Oh, would that you were either cold or hot. But because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Look at the picture there. I won't go into reference to hot springs, cold springs through the region. Very quickly, God is saying, Jesus himself is saying, I wish that you were hot or cold, not lukewarm. I don't want you on the fence. If you're on the fence... I want to spit you out. I personally, can I can I, can I give a heart-to-heart um, uh, uh, can I be just share a bit of a personal reference about coffee? I'm a coffee snob. I love iced coffee and I love Extra hot coffee. I often ask for five degrees hotter than normal because I like to sip it beautifully. And lo- I like to last me a while. But as soon as it gets warm, be gone with thee. Get away this lukewarm coffee. But it's it's got Dutch vanilla scented undertones so in the coffee bean. It's beautiful. I don't care what's lukewarm. Take it with you, vagabond. The Lord Jesus says, get off the fence. Don't be lukewarm. And this is what else he says. But you say I'm rich, I've prospered, and I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Oh, my giddy art. It's the end of the world. What is Jesus saying about me? But this is what it then says. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. I love it, and verse 20 says, Behold, I knock. I knock at the door. I knock. Let me in. It's an invitation. James 4, verse 4 says, You don't realize your friendship with the world makes you an enemy with God. I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you're going to make yourself an enemy of God. So that's what Elijah is doing here as the mouth of God. He's saying choose because God wants you back. He wants you back. Maybe here this morning, you need to hear that God wants you back. He wants you back, but then what he does is he, he puts this massive test out, Elijah, and for the sake of time, I'm going to run through it. He says, we got two bulls, one bull for you and your God, and there's only one of me, so I'm going to have one bull for my God. Cut the bull up, put it on the altar, put some wood there, and we're going to, We're going to see which God from heaven comes down and strikes and fires up the altar. Remember that um, Elijah is calling out the God of climate change. He's calling this God out. So we read in verse 26 that they took the bull that was given and they prepared it and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon. And this is what they said. Oh, Baal, answer us. There was no voice and no one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made. And and, and at noon, Elijah mocked them. I kind of love this bit, how he mocked them. He had such confidence and obedience. It was both of these things. Elijah mocked them at noon and he said, Cry aloud for he's a God. Either he's musing or he's relieving himself. As in he's on the toilet. Or he's on a journey, or perhaps he's asleep, and he must be woken up. And they cried aloud, and they cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. I mean, these guys were sick. They were sickos. And as midday passed, they raved on, likely doing their their rituals, raving on. Oh, they're carrying on like absolute pork chops. Until the time of the offering of the the oblation, but there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. So here we see Elijah rolls out the red carpet. He says, All right, let's see what happens. Is your God real? Let's check it out. Nothing doing. We read on verse 33 After then, Elijah repairs the altar and then he puts out um, the ball on the wood. It says this He put the wood in order and cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, fill four jars with water, pour it on the bird, offering it on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. He said, do it a third time. They did it a third time. And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with water. So what's he doing there? He's making sure. There are no tricks up my sleeve. I'm chucking water. You're doing it again. And you're doing it again. There's so much water here that for it to catch a light, you can not second guess that this was God from on high. I love the boldness of faith here. And this, watch how he prays. Watch how he prays. He says, at the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, this is what he said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. So what's he doing? He's coming with humility and boldness. I have done all these things at your word. So verse 36 actually tells us he's not doing this at, in his own strength. He's doing it by obeying what God has said to him, because that's a pretty bold thing to do. Can you imagine? Can you imagine doing that? I mean, he is he is stepping out in faith here, but it's at the word of God because he had relationship with God. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back that's what this is about turning back the hearts of people to the father then the fire of the lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench and when all the people saw it they fell on their faces and said the lord he is good the lord he is god and elijah said to them seize the prophets of baal let not one of them escape they seized them and elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slaughtered them there They had coming to them what they called for God's prophets. Bold faith honors God, and God honors bold faith. Bold faith honors God, and God honors bold faith. This guy put it all on the line. He put it all on the line. He risked it all. You can, I always think you've got to risk it if you want the biscuit. See, if you don't take the risk, you forfeit the miracle. If you don't take the risk, you forfeit the miracle. How many miracles are just waiting for you to take risk? To have a bold sense of faith. I know God, he's real, he's true. I know what he said to me and I'm going to stand. I won't cave, I won't cower, I'll stand. See, once we have God on side with him, all things are possible. All things are possible. Even fire coming down from heaven to light up a sacrifice. And the miracle wasn't just for Elijah. The point of the miracle was him and restoration of Israel. It didn't really make sense to do that. Faith doesn't usually make too much sense. And at times obedience is going to sound crazy. But he stepped out. And he did it. This is what Charles Spurgeon said in relation to Elijah's prayer right here. He actually says that we could and should be modeling our own prayer off this. I've got the quote on the screens. He says, go you to the mercy seat with this as one of your arguments. Lord, I've done according to thy word. Now let it be seen that is that it is even so i preached thy word and thou hast says it shall not return unto me void i have prayed for these people and thou hast said the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much let it be seen that this is according to thy word meaning to your word lord so what's he saying when we pray let's go to god with boldness and a bold faith lord I know who you are. I've seen what you've done. I know what your word has said. And this is crazy, but I trust you. But I trust you. As the musicians come. We must remember this, that it was Elijah's boldness that led to Israel's repentance. It was Elijah's boldness that led to Israel's repentance. What if he didn't do that? What if he just lived... In fear? What if he didn't follow through and obey? I wonder if there are people in and around us in our lives that are just waiting to repent after an act of boldness like Elijah. I wonder if our boldness can lead to others' repentance. Because remember, God loves people and he wants his family back. He created humanity. He created the world to share in family. He wants his people back. But we've got to ask. We've got to seek. We've got to stand together boldly. James 4, verse 2 to 3, we know just before verse 4 I read. It says you don't have because you don't ask. You ask and you don't receive because you ask wrong and you spend it on your passions. It's You're asking for you. So let's be bold. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 says, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and he will find grace to help us when we need most. I want to have, I want to have a time for us to just Ask boldly together. Can we stand up to our feet, please? Time has escaped. But if we could just make space for a little bit longer, is that okay? If you're gonna go, that's okay. I understand we've got children with us in the service and I want us to pray and ask boldly, knowing that when we ask and pray boldly, we do it from a place of victory. We do it from a place of strength. The victory and the strength is not us, it's Christ. It's, it's what he's done for us. The strength comes from him. The victory comes from him. I want to ask if we can together, I fail to do this, to ask Holy Spirit, Lord, where is there compromise in my heart? And where are you calling for me to boldly stand in and for you? Where are you leading me? We're not all called to build these sacrifices, call down fire from heaven. Gee, I'd love to be involved with that miracle. (laughs) But that was Elijah's story. We have different stories. But we're going to ask him for his word. Can we pray into that just now? With your hands... Grace is an act of surrender. Let's just come to the throne room of grace. Boldness. We come to you, mighty King, because we need grace and mercy. Father, as a people, as a family, as a as your children, we ask, would you um would you show us where there may be conflict or compromise in our hearts where, where we're sitting on the fence, where you're telling for us to get off the fence. And Lord, would you also lead us the realm of bold prayer. Bold, faith-filled prayer. Whether it be people, place, or thing, speak to us, we ask, mighty King. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.